Welcome. I'm so happy you can join me here. I'm Naomi Tucker, your Talk Racing to Me host, and boy, do I have an episode in store for you all. Quite a few very distinguished guests have joined me this week as we are dedicating this entire episode to previewing the two divisions of the Arkansas Derby. On today's episode, I will be sharing with you insight from nobody less than Johnny Velasquez, Todd Pletcher, Brad Cox, Jerry O'Dwyer, Maggie Wolfendale, and Acacia Courtney, talking about a star-studded lineup. For those of you who haven't done the form yet for this Saturday's primetime three-year-old races, you are in the right place. I'm going to help you out. Oakland Park, one of the few tracks still operating in the United States, and in a response to Churchill Downs' movement of the Kentucky Derby to September 5th, they decided to shift their Arkansas Derby from April 11 to May 2nd. Now, the Arkansas Derby is a mile and an eighth in distance. It has been split into two divisions and has developed into this spring's main three-year-old race with, of course, major traditional April prep races for the Kentucky Derby having been shelved due to COVID-19. So, let's give you a quick rundown of what today's episode looks like. I will start off with the horseman, Johnny Velasquez, a Hall of Fame rider, two-time Eclipse Award-winning jockey. He rides Governor Morris for Todd Pletcher in the first division. Seven-time Eclipse Award champion trainer Todd Pletcher has Governor Morris in division one, as mentioned before, and Farmington Road in division two. Trainer Brad Cox, who last year managed to produce two Eclipse Award winners Inko Fefe and British Idiom joins us to give his view on Division 2 in which he has Wells Bayou starting, as well as giving us a quick little update on his beautiful stable star, British Idiom. Jerry O'Dwyer gives us a background story on his first ever Grade 1 starter, the aptly named 21-shot My Friend's Beer for Designated Hitters Racing, including what he will be doing if he does managed to win the first division. Then I had the pleasure to chat with two women who I've worked with over the summer at the New York Racing Association and they've been an inspiration to me, both of them. They've been incredible mentors since my arrival in the USA. I'm going to start off with Naira resident analyst, nationally renowned paddock expert and Fox Sports presenter Maggie Wolfendale providing her verdict on both divisions, followed by someone who I'm quite proud to call my friend, Gulfstream Park and Fox Sports handicapper, Acacia Courtney, on how she sees both races unfold. Now, a quick couple household notes. Unfortunately, two horses scratched early on Tuesday. The Raffle Becerra trained fast enough. He scratched from Division 2 due to re-aggravating a shin injury during a workout last Sunday. And Shooter Shoot, trained by Peter Erton, withdrew from Division 1 after spiking a fever. Now, especially the latter scratch seemingly changes the entire pace complexion of the first division as he was most likely going to move forward and vie for the lead with Charlatan by his side because he looked like he just had a tad more speed than the Bob Baffert trainee. So that is quite unfortunate and I want you to keep in mind that the interviews with Johnny V and Todd Bletcher were recorded prior to this announcement so 
Let's start with them, but keep in the back of your mind that our discussion of how the pace is going to set up with Shooter Shoot still in there is unfortunately not going to unfold the way we thought it would. Um, in addition, the good news is I got top Fletcher. The bad news, the connection kept cutting in and out, so please keep in mind that the quality of the sound can sometimes be slightly bit shaky. This also goes for my interview with Jerry O'Dwyer, which was at Laurel Park in his barn, meaning there's just a little bit more background noise going on. But on the flip side, you get the occasional Winnie, which is a bonus. All that said and done, this is content you do not want to miss. So much insight, all wrapped up in one big podcast. I do hope you enjoy it. Hall of Fame rider Johnny Velasquez joins me here to chat about the two different divisions of the Arkansas Derby coming up this Saturday. And Johnny, let's start with the first division, the race that you have a mountain, namely the number four Governor Morris for Todd Pletcher, a horse that you've ridden three times in his career. You were on him during his last two starts and his debut. His last start was in the grade one Florida Derby where he finished fourth behind Tis the Law. It seems that you didn't get the ideal of trips. What was that race like for you? Yes, um, I, I didn't, we didn't break very good from the gate. Um, kind of got shuffled back a little bit in the first turn and I lost my position. Um, and going to the half mile pole, I was in a tight spot and he, he didn't take the spot. Uh, and all of a sudden, they got away from him, so then I had to work really hard to get him back into the race. Um, he came up, he came, he came running down the lane finally, uh, but it, it was too much to make up. You know, I, I think if I can middle of the pack or even a little forward place uh, in this race here, um, it seems like it's a couple of really good speed. So I hope that it's the speed it does develop in front of me, and I can have him relax the first part of the race and then running uh, from the half of my pole down instead better than what I was trying to do in the Florida Derby. I was trying to get, you know, stay in the position that I was and he was not taking it. And then all of a sudden he kind of dropped the bit going to the half of my pole and then all of a sudden they, they went away from him. So he had to work too hard for it. So I think if we can get a, a nice comfortable position going to the first turn uh, and, and get a nice and relaxed and then get after him going to the, to the half of my pole, I think it'll, it'll be the ideal uh, trip for him. That's why I think I think he's just a little bit trick to ride, and we have to find the fine line for him uh, to get the best out of him. I think he definitely has a lot of talent. We just have to get the best out of him. One of the speed horses in this race is the number one charlatan, who will be the morning line favorite for Bob Bafford. How hard do you think it will be to beat him? Well, obviously, he looks spectacular. You know, he looks incredible. Um, these first two starts, um, and even uh, he last time out going a mile, he, he was impressive, uh, to tell you the truth. I mean, we can't take anything away from him. I just hope that somebody goes up and gets him a little bit hard time the first part of the race so that we can come running and, and get a, a, big piece, a big piece of it or the whole thing, though, you know. So I hope that Tom Orsors chose this Speed he showed last last time out, and uh, we we pressing a little bit, and and it helped us for for the horses come from behind. <laughs> I mean, to tell you the truth, I mean he's he's probably the only horse that looked like he has speed in the race, other than Charlatan. Um, so I'm hoping that he does he break well and and 
and put the pressure on and, and hopefully I'll be close enough, not too far back where I don't have to make my horse run too much in the first part of the race, but in, in the same time, not, not losing too much ground uh, and come running down the lane. So are you going to be asking Joe Talamo, are you going to put the gun to Charleston for me? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, should, I, I, I shouldn't have to, but I, I, I sure hope he does that. Um, I will ask you if you want me to, though. <laughs> so out of the other horses in this field, are there any other ones that are of particular interest to you? You know, the rest of the horses, I mean, Julian's horse, uh, Dallas Stewart, run a really nice race. Last time out, I mean, he ran a, a very decent race for coming way off the pace. Um, I don't know the horse that, that I don't know. He kind of showed a little bit uh, my big horse in the beginning when he was running. Uh, um, but he hasn't shown anything, especially the last race. He didn't show very much. The horse that is always kind of consistent, um, he, I think it's a pretty decent horse, the Sipa Musin horse that Santana is riding. So I, I, I kind of like the horse. Uh, the rest of them, you know, it's it just basically whoever shows up, you know, that there isn't much on the race other than the Santana's horse um, and the other horses that I was talking about, Talamo, you know, that I thought he's, he's probably the best horse after the, the after the favor, you know. So, it looks it looks like a white race other than, other than Charlatan. It looks, it looks like a really good race. Yeah. You were talking about the number 11 Basin, the Steve Asmussen horse. How hard is it to overcome a wide draw for him? Well, it, it, to the truth, there isn't that much speed other than those two horses. I think he just needs to break well enough to, you know, to get a good position. He seems like he's been in a, in a uh, fast pace pretty close. So I think if he breaks well enough, I mean, he's, he'll, he'll overcome that, that post position. If he breaks bad, then then that's when he gets in trouble. But I think he has enough speed that he's going to be good enough to, you know, save some ground in the, ter- the first turn. And as a jockey, the it's a modern eighth at Oaklawn. You have sort of the home stretch to start off with. Is that long enough to give you a bit of time to cross over without using up too much of your horse's energy? Yeah, that's very good. Uh, yes, I think you have, you know, but then again, you have to break good. You know, it's, it's, it's all about how you break from the gate, though, you know. So I think you have enough time, you know, to uh, come over and before the turn comes and, and have a, a, a good trip from there, though. You know, it all depends how you break, basically. Yeah. And you mentioned that you said this division isn't as deep. What do you think of this second division? Some people have already been touting, saying that that's a bit of a stronger race. It includes uh, Nadal, Storm the Court, King Guillermo, Wells Bayou, Silver Prospector. Do you think that's a, a stronger renewal of the Arkansas Derby? I believe so. It, it looks like a much a much tougher division uh, overall, though. You know, so obviously Nadal is is it, it, he looks incredible. Um, uh, King Guillermo ran a huge race in Tampa. I think if he replaces that race, he's going to be very, very tough. It's Tom the Court. He looks very well. You know, he looks like a, a very nice horse. I mean, th- this race, it looks apart. It, it really looks like they definitely have some really nice horses. So um, I, I'm glad that I'm in the other, in, in the other, in the other division. <laughs> <laughs> Starting with the favorite, again, the Bob Baffert horse, Nadal. I mean, there's never a shortage of three-year-old top stars in his barn, really. How beatable do you think he is? Well, I think he's definitely the more 
vulnerable in, in this this race here. You know, this race is definitely he, he can be uh, beatable. You know, what I mean, I mean, was but you has a, a, a bad pose, but then again, he's fast enough that he's going to be. I mean, if then again, he has he has to break well um, from the position that he has. But I think if he breaks well, he's going to save some ground and go to the first turn, and he's going to be close enough. I mean, I, I don't think. He, He's really fast, but he has a, a good potential to be in the first four, four horses, and I think that's what's going to help him a lot. Um, Tallow Bay's horse, fast enough. He's coming from a sprint in last time out. Um, I just don't think he's fast enough, but even coming from a sprint, he might show a little bit of speed in this race. Um, uh, Santana shorts, then Steve has nuisance as well. He seems like he's a come-from-behind horse. Uh to tell you the truth, I mean, the, the Nadal and and Fabian's horse look like the speed of the races, of this race anyway. Um, so there will be two really speed in the race. Another one who's going to be following will be, uh, well, Camacho's horse. Camacho uh, came from actually from Tampa. Where, where did Camacho's horse go? Uh, let me see. Sorry. No, you're okay. Yeah, that's it. And King Guillermo, he, 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 he ran close to the lead and not such a fast pace, but I, I think he's have to come out running to get a position where he's comfortable. So, so yeah, I think Nadal, uh, um, the court, probably the two speed of the race, Camacho should be, be playing pretty close and sort of, uh, would be foreign. So, and the rest of them don't, don't seem like you have a lot of speed, but, uh, it definitely looked like a, a very good race. So if you say there's a few horses that could move forward, does that mean this race could set up favorably for a horse with a more closing running style? Well, not so much closing style, but some somebody that's going to be close enough to the to lead, to lead, you know, without overusing the horse. Uh, obviously, um, I think if either if they break well enough and they're within the three to five lengths. Uh, behind the leaders, I think they have a really good chance. Then again, we, we got to wait on the on the day of the, of the race uh, to see how the track is playing. So that's another thing that it might change the outcome of the race. So, but by looking at the at, at the paper today, I mean, it looks like that's the way it's going to set up. Then again, we have we have to wait for the day of the race and see how the track is playing and and things changes. So uh, everybody start changing the style of, of the horses, how they run, and try to make a better decision just because you have to suit the way the track is playing. Yeah, and you mentioned before the number four King Guillermo, uh, monster effort in the Tampa Bay Derby. Do you think that could set him up to bounce because he ran an incredible figure there, ninety nine bar? It came back as. It's always a possibility that they run so big that they're, they're, they're not consistent to do that. Though, you know, and, and he runs so big that he he's definitely uh, could bounce big. Um, you know, Tim. It's like the, the only horses don't bounce very much is uh, Bob Buffer's horses. Uh, they seem very consistent. <laughs> they, run, they run all big numbers and they come back and run again. They said numbers are even bigger. So it's very, uh, that means obviously you have good horses. It does a great job with the horses. Uh, um, but the, you, you don't see the horses bouncing very much. So um, give it to them and to the horses as well. You know, whatever they do, they do it right. And, and he has proven over and over again, you know. He does know how to condition his horses incredibly well and place them well. And I guess it came up favorably for him that the division got split up because I heard that he wasn't planning on taking both of his 
big stars here if it obviously was going to be the one race aside from the favorite if you would have to pick one horse in this race that you're most interested in who would that be and this division right now yes i tell you right now well i i i like that horse uh, the world value you know the, the ones that uh, Brad Cox trained, so you know I, I think he's he's been very consistent. He has won that race was on the slappy track, and I don't know why because he actually broke his maiden on the, the slappy track. So something must have happened in that day that uh, he didn't like Churchill down or whatever it, it is. So, but other than that, I man, he's been very very consistent. So I think he's been very very tough. Um, obviously, uh, Bob Buffer's horse looks really good. So I, I think that that the horse to be definitely really Bob Buffer's horse and and. Um, like I said, uh, Wells Value, I think it would be the worst to, to get on, you know? <laughs> I'm sitting here smiling because I very much find him interesting. I was going to bring him up if you didn't just bring him up already. And of course, Florent Giroux is on fire. He's been riding very, very well. Um, how does that, what does that do for you as a jockey going into a race that you, you know, you've been doing well, you're getting the winners in, how much extra does that give you how much of a favor could that be that's important though. you know it gives you a lot it, it gives you a lot of confidence when when you're doing things right though you know i i think i give you a big plus you're very confident you you give that development to the horse that feeling that you, you got i think it passes to the horse as well um and it helps so you know it really helps your confidence that you're going into a race with that much confidence and, and with a good horse in the interview so it's, i think it's a positive thing definitely well, Johnny, thank you so much. And is it f- safe to say as a takeaway that we should all be betting your horse, Governor Murray's in the first division and then the number 11 Wells Bayou in the second division? I hope so. <laughs> I really <laughs> hope so. Uh, I, I do like my horse. I mean, obviously, uh, that the Bathurst horse will be real, really tough to beat. But um, you know, if my horse runs his race and then I have a little bit of help the first part of the race, we'll have a good chance. And then... The other division, I think, you know, if, if that horse really shows up the way he's been running, it's going to be really, really tough. Well, we're all very much looking forward to it. Thank you so much, Johnny. No problem. Thank you. Let's move on to trainer Todd Pletcher. Thank you so much for taking the time to have a quick chat with me. I know that you're very busy. No problem. Let's just get started. Um, the first division of the Arkansas Derby, you have the number four, Governor Morris, in there. I actually had the pleasure of chatting with uh, Johnny Velasquez yesterday about him as well. And he sort of gave me some background on his last run. What did you make of that Florida Derby where it seems that they didn't really go fast enough to set it up for him? No, we were hoping for a little uh, little stronger pace and Kind of lost uh, some critical position just in uh, kind of the middle of the first turn. Just playing catch up from there. And not only were the fractions a little bit on the soft side, but Gulfstream can be a hard hard track uh, to make up ground a lot of times. And it seemed to be particularly difficult that week and on that day. So I think he was running against the grain of the track and in, in a pace scenario that wasn't in his favor. So I thought all in all for him to still be closing in the end, it was a, it was a solid effort for his second start of the year. And we're hoping with that race under his belt and some subsequent productive breezes that he's ready to make a move forward. How would you see this race set up for him? Well, it looks 
feet from the inside. And, you know, what we'd love to see is somebody else kind of go with him and make sure the pace is honest. And, and I think it's kind of up to John Velasquez to sort out exactly where he wants to let Governor Morris position himself. We feel like he's, he's wanting to settle and make one run and we can get a pace scenario that allows, allows him to be ridden that way. In terms of other contenders such as Charlatan and, for example, um, Shooter Shoot possibly moving forward, who would you say would be the horse to beat? I mean, Charlatan looks like the class in this field. Very impressed with Charlatan. I thought his both races were very good. Particularly, looks like he's training very well from the videos of the breezes I've seen. I think he's uh, certainly the horse to beat. Uh, you know, in these type of races, as, we, as we've seen in some of the preps, you know, some horses will make some, some big steps forward um, from, from start to start. But Mason's uh, one that's, you know, he's a great one winner and uh, could certainly improve with a couple of races under his belt now. And, and uh, but, but the way I see it, I think the, I think the race goes through Charlottetown. Talking about the other division, the second division of the Arkansas Derby. This seems to be quite a deep field. And you have the number 10 in here, Farmington Road. Um, who is a horse that you think could be very intriguing in this position here? Because there's quite a few horses that I think could really lay their claims to this race, aside from, of course, Nadal, Bob Baffert's horse being most likely the morning line favorite. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think Nadal will be the favorite. But the horse I was very impressed with uh, in the Tampa Derby is King Guillermo. I thought he put in a monstrous run with a huge gallop out. All the reports I hear that he's training exceptionally well, son of Uncle Bo, and just uh, that that horse I think uh, is is ready to continue to move forward. So I would I would certainly be concerned about him. Yeah, I've heard he's training very well. It looked like they uh, they kind of went easy with him for first two to three weeks after the Tampa Derby, and you know I think like everyone else, I'm sure they were trying to figure out what sort of options they were going to have. And you know I think when the Arkansas Derby was pushed back to May second, that gave them plenty of time to regroup from such a big effort. So uh, sometimes you never know when they're going to react and not run as strongly the next time even though they can train train like they're going to you never you never know until they're in the heat of battle but certainly looks like they've uh they've done all the right things they gave them plenty of time and uh you know with the arkansas derby being adjusted on the additional additional time back to a grade one and looks like he's been training very sharply Let's discuss your runner in here, Farmington Road. Now, comes off here of a nice second placing where he had to go quite wide. I have him noted down as here also possibly coming with a bit of a late run. How would you see this developing for him? So, he, Farmington Road, he, he, needs a, he needs a good solid pace to run out. He's a, he's, a, he's a stone cold closer. He wants to settle and make one run. So, if we could hopefully get just a little better position out of the gate, break, get a little cleaner start. He's a horse that wants to settle and make one run anyways, but we found him a little too far back the other day. He had to make a very wide run and finish very willingly. So we're hoping for a, a better start and a little better early position. He would greatly benefit from a, a good, strong early pace as well. Gate 10, is that a positive or a negative for you in this situation? 
No, I think I think gate ten is fine. Um, hopefully, they're they're going to separate themselves enough going to the first turn that he'll he'll ho- hopefully be able to drop in and save a little bit of ground. Okay, and do you think, for instance, Wells Bayou might be trying to come over and he can just sort of slot behind them? Yeah, I would think coming from the outside draw that Wells Bayou would want to want to come away and get some early position. So hopefully that'll help spread the spread the race out a little bit. And in relation to your sort of training routines at the moment, of course, everything has changed because of the current coronavirus upending the entire race schedule. What have you been doing with your horses that the ones that, for example, now don't have any targets to point towards? Well, we've been very fortunate in in Florida that uh, Gulfstream has remained remained open for racing, and uh, so that's that's our stable. And some of the other ones that that don't have races on the immediate horizon, we've kind of kept in a bit of a holding pattern while hoping not to lose too much fitness, so that when we do have races to target, we can uh, get them ready uh, without much delay. Well, that's very good to hear. I hope you and your family are staying safe and healthy as well. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Todd. All right, Naomi, take care. Next up, trainer Brad Cox, who did say a normal hello to me, but I had to cut out all my rambling in between. So there we are. What's going on? I just wanted to have a quick chat with you about the two divisions of the Arkansas Derby. Yeah. Because... I mean, this is now the highlight of the spring for the three-year-olds. So it's uh, super interesting, both divisions. And you, of course, have a runner in the second division yourself. So, well, we'll just start with your horse, who's Mm -hmm. drawn on the outside in number 11. Mm -hmm. The first thing that I wanted to ask is what kind of instructions you're going to give Florent. Because to me, it seems to be him and Adol to be the real early speeders in this field. Although I wouldn't be surprised to see the number three Storm the Cord or number four King Guillermo sort of hold their ground early on and perhaps move a little bit forward as well. Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly how I see it as well. I, th- I think there's four horses that have enough pace, you know, judging by their <clears throat> past performances that could be, you know, right there going into the first turn. Um, you know, given that we have drawn the outside, I mean, it's kind of expected that you know, Florano asked him, but, you know, ultimately it'll depend on what the horses do to the inside of us, whether we can clear off or uh, have to set off a horse and maybe lay a, you know, in the two pass going around the first turn. But, you know, this is a smart horse. I think that he, you know, he's done his best running on the lead, but, um, you know, I, I think he's a smart horse. He seems to shut off in these races and relax well. Um, and if he can set behind horses or just off the pace, uh, you know, we're going to we're going to see how it unfolds and you know if that's what he's asked to do i'm confident that he'll run that way so you know we'll 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 have to see on saturday that certainly seems like the sensible way to look at it because one of my questions was would you make him dual nadal or would you let him sit just off anyone that sort of takes up the pace but you've just answered that the horse is flexible enough to do so so that certainly will improve his chances in my book anyway um, I wanted to give you an interesting fact uh, because I really love time form figures. Uh-huh. Did you know that Nadal's top mark of time form figure is 118, whereas Wells Bayou is 119? It's actually one point higher. Wow. Okay. Does that give you a bit of confidence? 
Yeah, I mean, I have confidence in the horse because I mean, he's we, you know, we we really thought a lot of him going into the Louisiana Derby, and he has not regressed one bit. Um, I mean, obviously, the mile and an eighth, none of these horses have even run that far, with the exception of our horse. Um, he's run a mile and three sixteenths, so we know he can get the distance. So, you know, I mean, he's actually cutting back in distance, um, and um, yeah, I mean, listen. This horse could be on the lead, but I mean that's ultimately going to be up to Floron if you know how how much he's going to want to use him, you know, the first three sixteenths of a mile or first quarter mile of the race, um, you know. And like I said, I just don't feel like he has to have the lead, and I don't think Floron does either. So you know, we'll see how it plays out. It will be very interesting to see how the pace will set up indeed. I'd love to hear your opinion on some of the other horses in this field, uh, for instance, the numbers. Three, Storm the Court, the Breeders' Cup juvenile winner who benefited sort of a collapse in pace during that race last year. Do you think he could play a role in this contest? Yeah, totally. He is going to play a role in this contest because he has speed. And, um, you know, anytime a horse has speed and is able to be forwardly placed, uh, you know, they're going to ha have, you know, they're going to dictate what goes on up front, up the backside. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know where he's going to end up, but. Um, I mean, he's a very nice horse, accomplished horse, champion two-year-old. But, yeah, he, he'll play a role in the race for sure. I mean, anytime, like I said, a horse has early speed, he's going he's gonna to dictate what's happening. And then the number four, King Guillermo, who had a very strong performance in the Tampa Bay Derby. Do you think he might be able to improve of that? Yeah, I, you know, who knows if he can improve. Um, I mean, that, that would probably be good question for the trainer but i will say this i mean I, I remember watching the racer i mean the horse went you know going away and was very impressive and i thought beat a very good group of horses so um he's legit for sure i mean there's no doubt about it and um you know they they got enough confidence confidence in him to ship um he's obviously shipped before he shipped to tampa to win and now he's shipping to arkansas so uh you know he he's he, he was he's no joke that that last race was very very impressive and, and i know he received some big figures out of it so you know he's a legit horse for sure well as you already know and i figured out from looking at this field that there are a fair few contenders here in relation to nadal how strong do you think he is he's a nice horse i mean you know um you know, I think this this the the, the last race he was in it, it it was a strong pace up front. He you know he continued on through uh, some very fast fractions and was able to um, you know hold off of um, ho hold off a horse that came from off the pace. So, I mean, he's obviously legit. It looks like he's been working extremely well at Santa Anita. I've been watching his works on XVTV, and he's a nice horse. So um, you know, we'll see if he can handle the mile a quarter and uh, you know another race where he's it looks like he's going to have some you know, um, horses to, to deal with early in the race. And, you know, if he can continue on and, and overcome that, you know, he, he's, he, he's a worthy of a grade one victory. So I think, you know, I, th I think there's a lot of horses in this race that are, um, you know, worthy or, you know, belong in this race and, and, you know, the, the best one will end up a grade one winner on Saturday. Yeah, there definitely are a lot of horses in this race. And I'll ask you about one more, <laughs> and then I won't uh -huh. keep bugging you. Uh, Silver Prospector, the closer that managed to collar your horse, Wells by in the Southwest Stakes. Last race in the Rebel, didn't really have the cleanest of trips. Uh, he got a bit shuffled back at the quarter pole. Uh -huh. I looked at it, I thought he didn't really extend himself that much afterwards because of that. So to, to me, it hence didn't look like a very tiring effort for him. And if you do go back to that race before the Southwest Stakes, I thought that was a strong performance. He finished really well. 
Do you think that he can replicate something like that in this field? Yeah, he's a nice horse. I remember this horse is a two-year-old cell, and um, we were we were looking at this horse, and um, we we didn't pull the trigger or, or go after him. But he he's a nice horse, and he's accomplished a lot. Um, you know, he he's got a lot of experience under his belt, having raced nine times. He's a multiple graded stake winner, and he's you know definitely belongs in this group. And I, I think it's going to be a factor for sure. I, I, I um, you know it doesn't matter to me. I'm not really. I'm not betting on the race, but the 10 to 1 morning line, in my opinion, is way off on this horse. He's a pretty nice horse. So if you have to say the main danger to your horse in this race, who would it be? Um, there's a handful of them, but I mean, the, the obvious the obvious horse is Nadal. I think um, the sleeper is King Guillermo. I hope I'm saying that right. And, and probably Silver Prospect Prospector. In my opinion, um, you know, Farmington Road could benefit too from from having the hot pace to run at, because um, I think it is going to be tough. You know, it is going to be a hot pace, and you know, who knows? At a mile and an eighth, sometimes you think horses come from out of it. Even at a mile and a quarter, people think horses come from out of it, but the speed keeps going. Um, you know, it, it's going to have a whole lot to do, and I think you're going to get a good feel for what's going to happen when the horses turn up the backside on you know just how fast how fast they're going and how the race is unfolding. Well, I certainly will be glued to the screen on Saturday. Uh, before I let you go, I actually wanted to ask you about your British Cup juvenile Phillies winner, British Idiom, who I very much enjoyed seeing, get, well, basically seeing her victory at Santa Anita Park. She'll be returning in the grade three fantasy stakes on Friday after about two and a half months uh, away from the track. On her three-year-old debut, she finished second behind Finite in the grade two Rachel Alexandra. How's she been doing? Extremely well. This filly was, I felt like was was ready for the Ashland. We were pointing for the Ashland. She seemed to be coming up to it in good shape. And obviously, we had the cancellation a couple weeks there before. Uh, so we kind of had to, you know, we come up with a different game plan. We sent her to Oakland, and uh, she's trained extremely well there. She looks fantastic. Um, you know, I, I want to say this is her second race off the layoff, but it's kind of another layoff for her. Um, given the circumstances with the cancellation of racing. But uh, she, she's done extremely well. This this filly, I thought, moved forward in her, uh, even though she didn't win. I do think she moved forward. Javier thought she moved forward uh, in February. And, and I think, you know, she's, she's lightly raced. I mean, given she's accomplished so much in four starts. And, you know, I, I do think she's ready to take a, another jump forward. And I think she'll need to take another jump forward. This is the deepest group of horses she's faced so far. And um, I think she's she's definitely ready for her for a big effort. Well, the ultimate goal is the Kentucky Oaks for sure. Um, uh, and other than that, we we don't we don't have a list of races anywhere right now. I, I think there's racetracks working uh, to come up with a plan and just kind of get it. They need to get approval from from um, some governors through you know whether it be New York, Kentucky, where Indiana, wherever it may be. Uh, to, you know, open up some racing. And, you know, once, once that happens, uh, I'm pretty confident that it will happen. I don't know when, but, you know, I think all these racing offices between Naira and Churchill Downs, Keeneland, um, they, they, they all have things in place and ideas. And once they get approval, I think we're going to see some stake schedules and condition books shortly. I very much hope that's going to be the case indeed. I'd say we are all anxiously awaiting the return of some form of normalcy, but I'm hoping you and your family are able to stay safe and sound, as well as your staff, of course. 
Thanks, Naomi. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, everybody stay safe out there. Very kind message of Brad Cox as we move along to Jerry O'Dwyer. So please bear in mind, we were at the barn. Jerry, have you done the form for the first division of the Arkansas Derby? <laughs> I've had a run through it all right, yes. <laughs> well, what are your thoughts? Um, I'm a bit scared of uh, Charlton being a low on speed in the race, to be honest. You know, looks like he's in the one hole. If he breaks keenly, he'll be gone out on the lead on his own. I don't think much to challenge him early unless that's um, Mewson's horse from the outside. Bastin is probably the only other one that might put a bit of pressure on him, which I'd like to see. Um, my horse, you know, he'll be mid-division at best. Um, I don't see him sitting much closer than that. You know, I sort of see him fifth, sixth. Um, hopefully he's able to hold his position there and that. But I think he will, you know, they're going a mile in the eighth. Um, Martin Garcia will be trying to harness a bit of uh, stamina to, you know, leave in the tank for Charlton to finish. Uh, so, you know, that's that's the thing. He is the only known speed. What was the thought process putting my friend's beer in this race? Uh, he was already down there and ran huge in that allowance race. And then... Uh, we had him nominated and then uh, the racing secretary called me and you know was asking me was I planning on running any of the horses I nominated it'll be three nominated um, and uh, he informed me you know that they were probably going to split it if they got up to 20 and then you know I started thinking you know and I talked to the owners and we feel the mile and eight will suit him you know it's a big step up in class but I mean that allowance race I thought was very good the last day and uh, you know if you'd asked me a couple of months ago was I going to run my friend's beer in the Arkansas Derby I'd have said no 100% but he's just a little horse that's just kept improving with every start um, he's got the heart of a lion like he doesn't know when he's beat and he tries every time um, so like I said he's improved so uh, you know I, I think he'll I think he'll run very big in there which were the other two horses you had nominated? I had uh, Shotsky and Amen Corner. Yeah. And uh, I just I have Amen Corner in on the same day in allowance race going to mile in the 16th. He's just not as battle-hardened as my friend's beer. And I think he's going to, you know, I don't want to overcook him too soon. And what are the plans moving forward with Shotsky? Uh, Shotsky, we're just, uh, you know, we obviously missed the Arkansas Derby. You know, we gave him a little break when he came back from Dubai. He did a lot of traveling, a lot of flying. Um, so he's still up in Fair Hill, uh, light training up there. And uh, we're going to sit down and then make a plan going forward when we know what the racing industry is going to be doing. Girl wondering about that. If the race wouldn't have been split in two divisions, would my friend's beer have gotten in, or how did that work? Uh, do you know what? I didn't study study it hard enough to see uh, earnings of the other contenders in there, in his actual division. I know when nominations came out, uh, there was like 50 horses in the nominations of the 99 that were nominated that had higher earnings than him at the time. So um, I'd say with one division, he wouldn't have got in, no. I guess you were lucky then that they ended up splitting. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, if not, you know, he'd have ran in the allowance race that day if we didn't run here. So we were, I think, I'd have been confident that we'd been running on this day. But it's just um, happened that we're in the Arkansas Derby, and looks like you know 
there's some tough horses in there, but I mean, he's not without a shot. Yeah, you're definitely spotting the horses in the field quite a bit in terms of talent, not to diss your horse, but looking at the speed figures, yeah. there is a gap or, you know, something to overcome for him here. For sure. And I think the distance will help him. And he has pedigree and he is quite a late foal. So I think he is steadily improving. Um, he's not the fir- fi- finished article yet, but um, he's just a little horse. He loves everything about racing. He loves to train. He loves to race. I mean, if he has an easy day at all, he's high as a kite the next day. You know, he just loves it. Where did the name come from? Uh, the owners. They're all alcoholics. Just <laughs> uh, joking. Um, they, uh, you know, they were just throwing ideas around. He's by stay thirsty. And, you know, it started off with, you know, the most interesting man in the world. They were thrown around and then... I think I just leave the name and up to them, you know, and then they came up with my friend's beer and, and that's what it became. Well, it's a good name for the owner's designated hitters racing. Now, I'm assuming they won't be traveling down there because they won't be allowed or? No, they won't. They're not allowed and they're absolutely raging because they're, uh, you know, they're good big fans of the game and they love to go racing and they're, they'll be their first runner in a grade one. My first runner in a grade one. So we're all excited and uh, looking forward to the day. And it's just disappointing that I'll be there on my own with no owners. You know, that's the fun part of racing where owners are there and the hype and everybody's, you know, excited, nervous, anticipating and hopefully exhilarated in after a race. Are you going to do an Aidan O'Brien with the earpiece in that you're on the phone the whole time? I will, yeah. <laughs> Talking to my mum. <laughs> well, actually, isn't that that's the one? That's who he talks yeah, to, yeah. Talks, yeah. Yeah, fair well, play. I'm assuming you should be ringing designated hitters racing <laughs> and be talking them through everything that's going I'll have to happen. FaceTime them. I'll have to, if he wins, I'll FaceTime him and I'll walk into the winner's circle. Well, it's going to be a tough race, but I wish you the best of luck. Very much so. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jerry. A nice little story there about my friend's beer, the first ever grade one runner for up-and-coming trainer Jerry O'Dwyer as we move on to Maggie Wolfendale. So you definitely want to get your notepads out because she makes some very valid points as we discuss every single runner of both divisions. Well, let's start with the obvious horse, the number one charlatan even money, superbly bred, superb connections, unbeaten, very impressive last time out. Although to me, it looks like he just got that easy lead. Nobody really pressured him. So we haven't really seen how good he really is, except for the fact that he has twice run triple digit buyers. Yeah, we we haven't seen any horse do that. I mean, even last year, going into the the Kentucky Derby and the Triple Crown races, um, other than maximum security, it was it's rare to find a horse that's only had two starts be able to post those kind of those kind of numbers. And I mean, he just looks like a powerhouse, especially with the other speed, likely speed scratching in here, shooters shoot. He looks to control on the front end. He still shows a little bit of greenness, I think, in his races and his workouts. He does have a propensity to want to lug in and kind of lay on the horse to the inside of him. But at the end of the day, he just looks so much faster than anything else in here. And I mean, this is kind of the more for lack of a better way to put it, boring division because Charlatan just looks like such an overlay in this field. 
or I should say overlays the field, I should say. Seemingly, this division hasn't come up as strong as the other division had, especially when you're looking at differences in pace setups. This seems to be, in a way, straightforward, like you mentioned, Charlotte, and most likely will move to the front. What do you think of, I'm just going to go to number two here, my friend's bear. I'm trying to cover all the horses a little bit so that listeners get a view of the entire field. On paper, doesn't look like he has enough speed to really be in contention here. Right. I think you you put you said the operative word speed. To me, he just looks like a bit of a plotter. He'll be picking up some pieces, but is he fast or talented enough as charlatan? No. I mean, obviously, there's a bit of rooting interest there, um, being a Maryland bred for Jerry O'Dwyer. And, and he ran okay last time going in that optional allowance. And for me, he kind of had the same trip as the winner and just wasn't fast enough. Yeah, yeah, I remember him running in the private term stakes and finishing behind Lepto, who is a quite a nice horse, but possibly not the same level as, for example, Charlatan. The number three, Mo Mosa, I didn't know exactly really what to make of him. Last run, ran behind Shooter Shoot, who, like you mentioned, unfortunately is an early scratch due to having come up with a fever. I, I'm not putting him in contention here. No, how can you? Um, his he ran okay last time in that same race um, with Shooter Shoot as you were mentioning, um, and he was the only one to make up any ground on the top two. So at least that's encouraging. But you go back to his his previous races; they're not nearly fast enough. And furthermore, um, you know he where'd that last race come from? He's going to have to recreate it. And then on top of that, he's just never run fast as fast as pretty much any other horse in here. So he's a true outsider. Yeah, well, there's a few of them in this field. Uh, the number yeah. four, Governor Morris, isn't one of them. I find him very interesting for Todd Pletcher coming off that 35-day turnaround in the Florida Derby where it just didn't really go his way. I think... He's a horse that needs to be more forwardly placed. I think he does his better running. Look, he was fast enough to be close in his debut, you know, a, a length off of a 22-45, um, you know, early half. So this horse does have some speed. And last time he kind of got a little shuffled into the first turn um, in that Flo Florida Derby. But I think he kind of got behind the eight ball. And he's a horse that... I don't want to say he's disingenuine, but he's been a little bit of a letdown for me because he was one of the ones outside of Tis the Law at Saratoga that broke his maiden that I was really interested in following going forward. And he really hasn't kind of taken that step. So he's run pretty much the same races as a three-year-old as he has had as a two-year-old. So he's going to have to step up his game. He's talented, and I'd love to see Johnny Velasquez ride him forwardly. He's probably not going to make the lead, obviously, over Charlatan, but I think his best chance comes in a stalking trip outside of him. Well, it'll be interesting to see where he does end up, as there doesn't seem to be a lot of speed in this race, so there should be a possibility for him to get a bit more of a forward placing. The number five, Jungle Runner, another big outsider for the Steve Asmussen stable. Yeah, you're banking on Steve Asmussen. Blinkers come off after just running up the track in the uh, Mind That Bird Derby. But he does come off a little bit of a freshening. Maybe he he's improved in the time away from the racetrack. But as you said, a true outsider. And another sort of outsider in terms of the price as well, the number seven wrecking 
crew, 20 to 1 morning live, Flavian Pratt riding. Most likely the best race he ever ran was finishing third in the Breeze Cup Juvenile behind Storm the Court and Ano Dor, who's reopposing here. What do you make of him? He seems like a... They, wow, they paid a lot for this horse, especially uh, by Sky Kingdom, who we're not very familiar with. Um, as far as his progeny stands for 5,000 out of a yes, it's true mare. To me, watching him, he's a bit of a, a smaller type of bodied horse. He only has the one race coming in as a three-year-old. It was not very good. Um, and he just, you know, watching that Breeders' Cup Juvenile, how much do you put into that? And I'm saying that having a little bit of interest in the horse outside of him that we'll get to in a no door. Um, but to me, he just feels like one that maybe his best races came as a two-year-old, and he just kind of peaked then, um, considering what they paid for him at the Phasic Tipton March sale at Gulfstream last year. And I, I don't necessarily see this horse moving forward as a three-year-old. Definitely have to agree with you that he was quite in deep against the big boys last time out and showed that he wasn't really competitive. Now, the number eight, Anodora, you already mentioned you have a bit of interest in this horse. Yeah, I think he's, you know, like I said, I'm not putting much into that Breeders' Cup Juvenile. He might be a bit of a, a hanging type, hence the narrow um, defeats in that race and the subsequent Los Al Futurity. And they put the blinkers on first off the layoff and first start as a three-year-old. It didn't go as planned, but you could see why, given those two previous races, why they might try those blinkers. But going back to that Risen Star, that division and pretty much most of the races that day were dominated by horses up front more towards the rail. This guy was never less than kind of three to four wide the entire way and eventually five to six wide. He was favored. He he did not run very well, but he also feels like a bigger type of horse where he might uh, have needed that start coming off the long layoff, kind of a, a stuffy type. And he's coming off a little bit of a, a layoff again here, having run since February, but given the current conditions um, in the country and the world right now, you can't put too much stock into that. But I want to give this guy another shot. He felt like one that could improve as a three-year-old. The blinkers come off. Uh, he's obviously, as history shows, done better running without them. And he's the one I, I might play around with behind Charlatan. That's interesting to hear. I spoke to Acacia beforehand this morning as well and she mentioned she thought he was quite an intriguing horse in this position and I spoke to Brad Cox yesterday and he mentioned that like you just said there are a fair few horses that seemingly are coming off layoffs now because the whole program has changed and there just aren't as many opportunities to run the horses so you're starting to see horses coming off two and a half month three months layoff that weren't planned layoffs but just ended up that way because there's nowhere to go for them uh, the number nine winning impression, uh, Dallas Stewart. Of course, we know that he's been able to hit the board at some larger prices. Uh, his race, he finished, he crossed the wire first, but he got DQ'd into fifth because he came in on the horse number five, who then ended up having to check. So it was a legitimate right. DQ, but I did think it was a sloppy check. It was still quite a decent effort. It closed into about an average pace. Yeah, and that... Given where he was sitting throughout the race, I think, you know, he was expected to run that way. Hill, the argument could be made that his better races have come on a track that has been wet and sealed. And he broke his maiden off the turf event. 
his last race was encouraging his first race at Oakland. So at least it shows there's an affinity for the racetrack there. But again, he looks a little overmatched here. He's another one that's going to really have to take another step forward, um, show more professionalism. Um, but the fact of the matter is, I think he's a horse that can certainly handle the distance of the mile and an eighth, and, and he will get a bit better as he cons- consistently stays at those longer distances. Would he be a horse to consider underneath? I mean, 15 to 1 seems pretty good. Yeah, I mean, if he gets, I don't foresee, I, I mean, Charlatan just feels like a horse that can run 12 seconds flat for a mile and a half. I mean, watching him, at least he can definitely go a mile and an eighth um, watching just the way he works in his, his previous races. But if somebody goes out there and pressures him, which looks a lot more unlikely now um, with the scratcher shooter shoots, then maybe winning impression can can pick up the pieces here a bit. But he does have a nice stalking type of uh, running style where he, he doesn't have to come from way out of it. He doesn't have to be on the lead. He just feels like he could sit in that sweet spot behind the leaders. And the, the number 10 crypto cash, another big price horse uh, for the Kenny McPeak stable. I feel like his best effort was that run on the turf, yielding turf, mile 16, closed into a fast pace. Is he competitive on the dirt? Not really in my books. No, I mean, there's there's pedigree to say he could be, but his form would suggest otherwise. Um, I mean, he broke his maiden on the turf at Ellis Park way back when, when in the middle of the two-year-old, his two-year-old season. Interesting, they take him off Lasix for this run here. Um, sometimes that does have a positive effect on horses. So he's he's a long shot, as he should be, and he's just not run fast enough as many of the others. Yeah. Now we get into the horse that I find very intriguing, the number 11, Bazin, because to me, he hasn't lived up to what he did as a two-year-old. Uh, he then had a six and a half months break after that win in the hopeful stakes at Saratoga. Just hasn't been as good as a three-year-old as I thought he was as a two-year-old, but love to hear what you make of him. I agree as well. He's a horse that became familiar with as a two-year-old would love to see what he looks like physically now because he just looked like an out-and-out sprinter to me and we haven't seen him be successful coming back as a three-year-old at these longer distances of a mile and a 16th and Saturday's race at a mile and an eighth and his last start um, in the Oakland Stakes. He, going back to that Oakland Stakes, he kind of looked uncomfortable um, as they were coming around the the clubhouse tur- or the far turn. And then he kind of re-rallied, which I thought was a little bit encouraging watching him. But still, he just didn't look comfortable on that inside lead. Now, he does get to run back. Well, I haven't looked at the weather, to be honest, out <laughs> in Arkansas. Um, who knows? Maybe he'll have to run on a wet track again. But if he gets a fast track, it's been it's going to be the first time he's run on one since breaking his maiden up at Saratoga. So he deserves a look for that alone because that's where his fastest race has come and that was way back when as a two-year-old nearly a year ago so basin i still wonder his overall affinity for going long we'll see um but like you said he just he just felt like he was a very good two-year-old that maybe he's not cut out for these three-year-old, um, you know, we would say Kentucky Derby races, but these, you know, classic three-year-old races. Well, what I was just thinking, as you were talking about him as a physical 
I thought, I'm so glad I have you on the podcast here because I love hearing from you about the physical aspects of the horses. It's something that I very much enjoy looking at myself, but especially your memory in terms of all the horses that you've seen and how they've developed. So very, very interesting to hear that also you say you think he's better going shorter than possibly going longer. And a mile and eighth, well, that's not very short. So (laughs) it'll be interesting to see what he'll end up doing. Um, like I mentioned, I'm not the biggest fan of him. I find others in here more intriguing. But as you mentioned before, this is not the deepest of race and it is hard to go against Charlatan. Now, let's go and have a look at the second division, which is much more wide open. I feel like there's a fair few different scenarios that could play out. What were your first thoughts when you looked at this race? Obviously, Nadal, he's going to be favored in here. Um, it seems as though watching his workouts, now he's a horse that has been on the front end in pretty much all three of his races so far. But in his workouts, they really looks as though they're trying to adjust that running style to possibly take him off the pace. So there's that. There's that big question mark of where Nadal is going to be, you know, in the early stages because there's some other speed in here. It comes in the form of King Guillermo, who was sensational in his last start, first start back on the main track. I mean, a 99 in here, that puts him, I mean, that race alone wins this race here, um, the second division of the Arkansas Derby. But he was nearly 50 to 1 that day. He beat some decent horses, obviously beating the win, um, the favorite in Sol Volante. Um, and there's some other speed in here, including Tyshawn, depending on what they do with him. And then the uh, biggest speed, I think, is Wells Bayou, but he is not posted well considering that running style. And I think he is a very talented horse, as you mentioned, Brad Cox. Um, uh, I, I loved his last race going back to um, the Law Derby. But again, that 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 race could fall under that category of the rail being good, speed being good, good there at uh, fairgrounds that day. So yes, Nadal he'll likely. I would think be favorite, but not a big fa- as big a favorite as his stablemate in the earlier division. But I think King Guillermo's the most interesting horse heading into this this race. Yeah, I watched back his Tampa Bay Derby, and every time every time I've watched it so far, I can't. It's hard to not be impressed. It was just such a superb effort. He broke so sharply, crossed over with ease. I think this draw suits him a little bit better. He doesn't have to make that wide crossover that for example Wells Bayou will have to deal with I really like the ride from Sammy Camacho thought it was a clever ride had him perfectly positioned and if he does something similar here today you know get that stalking trip or even you know go to the front I think he can indeed be very dangerous now the market or the morning line suggests something similar because as you mentioned Nadal will be favored but only five to two with King Guillermo morning line three to one so they're both quite closely coupled there Um, I'm going to sort of run through it in a similar way as before although perhaps we'll spend a little bit less time on the outsider horse because there's a few horses in here that are legitimate contenders but we'll start with the number one Finnick the Fierce whose best race arguably came as a two-year-old as well uh, in the Kentucky Jockey Club stage where he ended up finishing second just in front of Tis the Law now don't think Finnick the Fierce has gone on as much as Tis the Law has 
<laughs> no, and he seems like a horse that shows a bit of favoritism to a wet track. His two fastest races have come on sloppy sealed racetracks. Um, he was bothered a little bit by winning impression, who we'll see earlier, as you were mentioning, taken down that day. Um, but I think the favorite was bothered more by him. Um, and he, as you said, he's he's an outsider. If the track comes up wet again, I think he deserves a little bit more of a sniff than if he would if it's it's a fast track. Continue with the number two, Saratogian. I can't even pronounce that right. Rodolphe Brissett, very light raced colt that, based on form, doesn't seem as competitive here. I know. What is he doing? This doesn't feel like a um, Rudolph Brissett move. So sometimes that things that don't make sense you need to pay attention to. Um, gets Joe Talamo, who is vying for top of the jock standings. Maybe that's just situational. They lucked out and got him. But I, Rudy scares me when he does things like this. I cannot make any sense of this horse whatsoever on paper. But just the fact that he's in here gets Talamo. It's Rudy Percet, who I think does an excellent job. There's a little bit of intrigue. I have to agree with you there. And plus, he's an M- and plus that that pedigree just screams more distance the better. Um, so yeah, yeah. And I was wondering maybe this horse is working the lights out at home, at average times as well. Tab suggests that, but <laughs> but uh, you know it's it is at uh, Palm Meadows. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, definitely be a very intriguing horse to keep an eye on. And if he now wins at 50 to 1, the two of us be like, see, Rodolfo yep. said knows what he's doing. Exactly. <laughs> uh, defending juvenile champion Storm the Court is coming up for his third start as a three-year-old. The last race, I didn't think he jumped as swiftly as he would need to do to get to the front here or to have enough speed to really you know, be putting it to, for example, Nadal in here. I I'm I still have questions marks about him as a three year old. I don't think he's disgraced himself so far, but then in that last race, San Felipe, it just seemed that he wasn't able to box with the big guys such as Authentic and Honor AP. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't agree with you more. Now, to his credit, he has at least run fast fast enough races you know he's taken a little bit of a step forward from that two-year-old form um one can make the argument for but to me kind of watching those races and looking at him physically because that's what i do he hasn't grown that much now i did see an interview with peter Ayrton saying that in his works they've taken him off lasik so that he has that opportunity to kind of recover quickly and keep that weight on and that's what they've been trying to do is is keep his weight on but as a frame as a horse he just doesn't feel as though as you said that he matches up with those those big horses such as nadal who will have to face here once again so i have a little bit of respect for this horse i don't want to totally discredit him but i just i just think that that Breeders' Cup Juvenile was a bit of an aberration. Things fell into his lap the right kind of way. And he's a respectable runner, but is he a winner of the Arkansas Derby Division Two? I don't think so. I think if he would have been in Division One, he might have had a bit of a better chance. And I have to share your opinion on the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. That was a good performance from him there, but it did seem to go his way with, what was it, Dennis' Dennis's court 
Dennis's moment, excuse me, stumbling. So uh, let's skip ahead to the number six, because we already mentioned King Guillermo and Nadal, uh, code runner for Steve Asmussen. I'm not sure what to make of him on paper. He is giving the majority of the field at least about 20 buyer points in terms of talent. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I suppose he... He, I mean, two back at Houston, he faced some nice horses in long weekend. Um, I don't know. I, it just feels as though who Steve Asmussen, who, you know, I have the greatest respect for in the world is just, he has his horses, uh, to ready to run and he's finding a place to run them. But this guy, I don't know. He doesn't feel as though he's that, that much competitive against many of these. And, and two, Calumet, to their credit, they always like to dance in the big dances, but they like to dance in the big dances no matter what kind of chance they have. <laughs> I think that's probably a very accurate description. And I was going to add two divisions for the Arkansas Derby. You might as well take your chance because there really right. isn't anywhere else to go with any decent three-year-old at this point. Uh, The number seven silver prospector, same stable, this time Ricardo Santana on junior on board, main man for Steve Asmussen. They have done incredibly well together, especially at Oakland Park. I think Santana really knows how to navigate the track there. Last run, he was away from a fast pace and he closed into the speed and I just didn't think he got a bit of a happy trip there because he got shuffled around a little and then didn't put much of an effort anymore. But if you go back to the Southwest Stakes, I thought that was a really nice run from him. Do you think he got the ideal trip there? But possibly if it sets up here with a bit of speed, he can be that closer. Exactly. He Too bad he looked sensational, but he had an optimal trip. I mean, Santana just looked uber confident the entire way around there. He rode the rail. He was going perfectly behind the pace, and it just worked out in his favor. But also, you could look and say, well, maybe he's not the biggest fan of, of the wet tracks overall. And um, if he gets back on a fast one on Saturday, why why couldn't he be just as competitive? He he beat Wells Bayou going back um, to that uh, Southwest Stakes, and Wells Bayou came back with that huge performance going back to um, the La Derby. So I think of all the Steve Asmussen runners in these two divisions, he's the one I like the most, and, the, and I find him the most intriguing. I think Brad Cox shared your opinion there. He called this uh, a sleeper horse, one to look out for. And I do think that this horse has a big run in him if it sets up well, which right. seemingly might be the case. Uh, yeah. Taishan, the number nine for Richard Baltus, uh, had a really nice race, two back, uh, performs decent enough. Although I didn't really like that run in the Southwest Stakes where he finished fifth, beaten ten and a half lengths. So another um, horse that I'm wondering how this will work out for him. He has a bit of tactical speed, but I'm not entirely sure where to place him. I mean, you could make the excuse, well, maybe he was just shipping into Oakland Park at that point in the Southwest Stakes. He he wasn't able to be competitive against Silver Prospector and Wells Bayou. That's a negative against him. But... I did think last time he was the first one to make the move and be the one closest enough to closest to the early pace and finish um, the closest. So uh, the Mr. Big News and Farmington Road, they came from 
fairly well back, a lot more further back than Tayshawn. So you could make that excuse for him. Two back, yes, he did get to control things and had everything his own way. But maybe with uh, the fact that he's been at Oakland Park now um, and has been training there, I kind of found him a little bit interesting. He does have that tactical speed that could put him right in the mix. And the number 10 Farmington Road, I had the pleasure of speaking with Todd Pletcher before. He was saying that this horse needs a fast pace. He's quite one pace. He's going to come with this one big run. And as Acacia pointed out, the combination of Todd Pletcher and Javier Castellano to get those two at 12 to 1 seems like pretty much a steal. Uh, yeah, I know. He he is going to have to hope that they go out there and... and hit each other on the front end um, to say the least. He doesn't he doesn't necessarily break that well. The pace, as I was mentioning in reference to Tayshawn as well, the pace came apart for him and I thought if anything, Mr. Big News had a, a bit more of a, slightly more of a taxing trip and he still couldn't get to him. So he's he's got one way to do it and he's going to have to hope that everything works out in front of him. Yeah. The horse on the outside, the last horse in this field, number 11, Wells Bayou, Florent Giroux on board. It's been on board in the last two starts. Uh, obviously, very aggressive rider uh, lately in, in, in great terms. I think he's been riding phenomenally. He doesn't hold back. Most likely, we'll be sending him forward. Uh, I asked Brad what their plans are with Wells Bayou. Does he have to make the lead? Because he has been on the lead in most of his starts, or at least tried to be on the lead, and done very successfully. But uh, the draw being on the outset, and there's a couple of other speed horses. Now, he said he can be flexible, and he doesn't necessarily need to be on the lead. He said he's a very smart horse. So I'm intrigued to hear what you think of him. I really like him as a horse. And that's encouraging that Brad feels as though he could rate comfortably um it it feels as though to watching the races at oakland while it's a very unbiased racetrack it does feel as though most of the winners will come from the middle of the racetrack but then again the horses on the rail have run equally as well too but Maybe he's unencumbered. Maybe if if somebody decides to go out in front of him, whether it be King Guillermo, whether it be Nadal or Tyshawn, I don't think Tyshawn's fast enough. Fine. Um, I would like to see Florent play the break and see how that goes if he breaks sharp enough. Um, now, he won't be... I don't think he'll be the last one in. I think they usually do the middle horse at, at um, Oakland. You know, they, they do a split load, but for some reason, the middle horse goes in last. Um, so, and plus there's a scratch in there fast enough. I like this horse, Naomi. I don't know if if things set up perfectly for him, but his last race was strong. Um, he looked good doing it. He had a tougher trip than Silver Prospector, Prospector 2 back. He's run fast enough. I just wish the draw was better for him. Yeah, yes. being on the outside is not ideal. I did ask Johnny Velasquez how much of a negative it was, but he said that because a mile and eighth, you have that whole sort of the home straight, you still have some time to move over before the bend comes. So it's not a complete write-off. No, and you've seen horses do it many times before where they can get clear and they can um, be successful. 
Um, we'll see. We'll see. He's luckily there's some speed horses in here, but they're not that fast. To me, he is the fastest horse early. And watching Nadal, I mean, I say that in respect to Nadal, but I keep going back and watching Nadal's workouts, and they have him starting out, you know, five, six lengths behind his workmate, and they're really asking him to run in the stretch. Now, could that just be a fitness building type of exercise, if you will, for him? Sure. But it also feels like they're trying to get this guy to rate and rate successfully. We'll see what Rosario does with him. He's been on him for his last two wins. He's undefeated. But I think it's it's really interesting to see what they do with Nadal early on and whether that helps or hinders Wells Bayou because I think they're both very talented horses. And then then again, maybe King Guillermo sits the perfect stalking trip and he's able to recreate his Tampa Bay Derby. I couldn't have summed it up better than you just did. The Division 2 is, for me, the race I'm looking forward to the most. I think it's going to be a phenomenal race to watch as a spectator and for everyone involved. Uh, Will you be watching from home, Maggie? Yes, but actually um, I get the pleasure of covering it from home for the Fox Sports Show. Yeah, of course. I did actually read that you were coming back again and Andy is joining you as well. Which is great. I'm jealous. I wish I was <laughs> I wish I was working with you guys. We wish you were here too. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes from home, but <laughs> it'll be fun. Well, I'll definitely be watching you. I've been trying to keep up with all the great coverage that has been shown on the weekends over the last few weekends. So very much enjoying that. That's a new staple for me now. Instead of covering horse racing, I'm watching it every weekend yeah. at home. <laughs> Yep, it's uh, it's what we do as well. Between watching movies, we watch the, the Fox Sports show. <laughs> <laughs> well, Maggie, thank you so much for your time and your expertise. I feel like I've learned so much just listening to you again now. Oh, don't be silly. It's my pleasure. We ended up chatting for another half an hour, just about everything and anything. It's always great to catch up with Maggie. So let's move on. Here is me starting out questioning... Acacia. From a handicapping point of view, as a TV horse racing analyst, when you look at the first division of the Grade 1 Arkansas Derby, what is the first thing you do? The first thing that I do is look at the pace. Um, Of course, there's been the early scratch of shooter shoot, which really makes things very interesting because then it looks like charlatan is going to be the lone speed now i watched his last couple of races over a few times and he's not the sharpest out of the gate he kind of almost sits in the gate a little bit and in both races he's almost kind of let somebody else go first in his debut it was shoot or shoot which is why i thought that was actually going to make things really interesting in here and then last time out he was just so much the best but he's never gone two turns before he has the inside post so him getting out of the gate quickly and sharply and really kind of on the muscle early, I think it's going to be really key because he looks like he's going to be the controlling pace in here. Yeah. And unfortunately, shooter shoot indeed being out makes it a little bit less intriguing. <laughs> and when you're moving along to find other horses that might actually be a bit of competition to Charlatan instead of trying to pick the favorite, because I know from a personal point of view, I love to try and just be the favorite. I mean, don't we all? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, you see it every day with my picks at Gulfstream. It's just in my nature. I mean, you'll have a short price Todd Pletcher or Chad Brown horse. And I'm like, how can I beat this horse? You know, sometimes you just have to kind of take a step back and say, well, this horse looks like the one to beat. And that's where you can almost kind of use it. I call it like a free bingo square, especially if you're playing multi-race wagers, because that's your favorite that you can use as maybe your single or whatever it is and go elsewhere. But I still think this is an interesting race because let's be real. I mean, Charlatan has to go nine furlongs for the first time. It's not going to be the easiest thing for him. Um, I kept going back to Governor Morris. I thought that he's really interesting. The fact that he actually has run nine furlongs before he ran on the Florida Derby and there was no beating to the law that day. And, um, and I actually, I just even watching the replay again, kind of got chills with how impressive that performance was. And I still think that Tis the law is, is one of the top three-year-olds. And I actually thought he was one of the best two-year-olds last year as well. So I think that that's a really, really nice horse that beat him. What I really think is the most interesting about Governor Morris is if you watch his race two back at Tampa off the layoff, the other Todd Pletcher runner, Dudley Square, seemed to be the main pace of that race. And he stumbled and lost his rider at the break. Meanwhile, you've got Untitled now looking like the lone speed. So John Velasquez being really smart and making Governor Morris be more forwardly placed than he normally is. So maybe it was out of his comfort zone, but he showed that he could be a little bit more on the engine early. So if there's no other pace in here, so I would really doubt that this top level of riders here in the Arkansas Derby would just allow a horse like Charlatan to be comfortable on the front end. I can't imagine a scenario where nobody's going to at least try and keep up with him a little bit early. I mean, even a horse like a new door who was really disappointing last time out in the risen star. And I mean, he was just so wide early and he just never really gave much in the stretch and I wonder with the blinkers coming off today because that was his only race with blinkers he was more forwardly placed and and I well I don't think it was a strong rendition of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile this year he was the horse I wanted out of that race and he backed that up with his performance in the low South Futurity so he could actually be forwardly placed as well. Yeah, and he showed a little bit more tactical speed in those two races. So I definitely think that he has the potential to do so. I was myself looking at Bazin to possibly go back to what he did in the hopeful, but not in terms of performance, but having that tiny bit of speed. Now he did, um, he was sidelined for about six and a half months after that and hasn't really returned to form. But what are your thoughts on him? Well, he's an interesting one because sometimes you have horses that are just so precocious and so good as two-year-olds and they don't really make the jump to their three-year-old year. And I think that the verdict is still out on him because his only three-year-old races were in stakes. He ran third in the Rebel um, and he ran uh, at Oakland last time out. And both of those were on wet tracks. And I know that he won the hopeful on a wet track, but again, it was seven furlongs, just a very precocious, very sharp two-year-old as well. So I think that he still kind of needs to to prove himself, to prove that he is at the same level as some of the other horses in here. He's very talented. I also wonder if maybe he's just a bit more of a one-turn horse. So those are kind of questions that I think will really be answered this weekend with this horse because obviously he has ability, that we know. But I think as a three-year-old, a lot of the times the challenge is just finding where they really fit. Now I want to 
get your thoughts on some of the longer shots in here. So this will be fun. <laughs> so let's start with the number two, My Friend's Beard Trained by Jerry O'Dwyer. And I had a look at the dam's pedigree, just out of sheer interest. Uh, dam Slew's quality was the winner of the Great One British Cup Phillies and Mare Sprint yeah. over seven furlongs. She also run the Grade Two Raven Run at Keeneland. But she has one going on Mount 16 on the All Weather Woodbine. Just sort of look, that was a listed race, just sort of looking at if the pedigree says this horse wouldn't mind going a mile and an eighth now he has gone a mile and a 16 before so it's not as big of a step up that was in the private terms where he finished a good second there behind Lebda who's been doing very well here but of course you're coming from Laura Park and he's going up against the big boys here yeah he certainly is and and I and I know that you and I both feel the same way that there's absolutely no shame in prepping at Laurel Park I mean even yesterday I interviewed trainer Graham Motion who prepped sharing in the Salima at Laurel Park before going on to win the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies turf so um, that certainly I I have absolutely no knocks against and I think the fact that he's been able to get some distance races under his belt is certainly going to give him an edge Um, he's the type though I don't know if it's so much of being distance chat challenged. I do think that he could potentially have the ability to go two turns, but is he going to be as dominant a two-turn horse as some of the others in here? Again, like a horse like Gouverneur Morris, who's already won uh, going a mile and 40 yards and ran nine furlongs in the Florida Derby or something like that. So so that's kind of the question um, in this place. If I'm looking at some long shots, and, and I certainly have a lot of respect for um, Jerry O'Dwyer, but a little bit more towards the outside is where I'm looking at long shots. Winning impression is really intriguing to me. Um, nobody liked Dallas Stewart to hit the board in some of these big races at big prices. And this horse ran a really good third at nine furlongs, two starts back at fairgrounds. I know he was disqualified from the win last time out, but that was also experience going a mile and a 16th. But I thought potentially he and even um, Ken McPeak's Crypto Cash, he's one that could potentially be maybe a little bit more forwardly placed as well. And he had a win going two turns on the turf. So these are horses that I feel like might be a little bit overlooked and could potentially grab a share at a price. Well, they're... Interested, interesting horses to look at indeed. I had a look at winning impression myself because I actually thought that although his number isn't the top drawer in here, mm. it is competitive if he moves forward from that winning impression. Now, Crypto Cash, you said you think he might be a bit more 40 place. I didn't have him as forward. What makes you think he might move up a little? Well, looking at him, he stumbled at the start last time out. And at that race on the turf at Churchill, two starts back on the yielding grass, he actually quickened up really nicely. I felt that he was the type of horse who, again, he may not be at the same level. And I know it was a mile in his maiden race, but he went going a mile um, in his maiden race and was kind of in that chasing position. I don't think he's going to be on the lead, but I think he's going to be more forwardly placed than he was last time having to stumble at the start. The fact that he has those distance races under his belt already, him getting Getting in the mix early is going to be his best chance at potentially grabbing a share because he's just not really at the same level based off of his recent speed figures. So him getting in the chase early, kind of in that maybe shocking position or almost mid-flight, that's where he's going to be in the best position to potentially have any sort of chance at the end of the race. 
Well, Brad Cox, who I interviewed yesterday, said if they have speed, they're going to be in the mix. So <laughs> you're very right on that one. Possibly ring Kenny McPeeth and just let him know what kind of instructions to give his jockey. <laughs> let's, let's have a chat about the second division of the Arkansas Derby. A very deep race. I've really enjoyed uh, talking to various people already about this race and having a look at them. And I'd love to sort of continue on the... Uh, outside or a long shot team here. If you have to go a horse at a bit of a price in this, where would you go? Oh, this is an interesting one. Um, I think that Todd Pletcher's Farmington Road is an interesting price. And normally you don't get a Todd Pletcher and Javier Castellano horse at a price. But with the presence of Nadal in here, um, even... King Guillermo won't be the favorite, but he's a, he's actually my pick of the race. And even the fact that he won the Tampa Bay Derby, he's still going to have a lot of people on him. He's not going to be as big a price as he was in the Tampa Bay Derby. And then even Wells Bayou, who unfortunately is parked way to the outside, he's another speed horse. So given all those others I mentioned, I feel like Farmington Road is going to be a bit of a price. And versus the first division, first division, I actually feel like this division is going to have a pretty hot pace on the front end. There seem to be quite a few speed horses signed on. And while I hope that Farmington road is not as far back as he was last time out he has a pretty impressive turn of foot and he, he's a pretty good closer and even with the blinkers on last time out he, he was just off slow so getting out of the gate early is not exactly his advantage but he's been parked outside before he can come running late uh, and he's got Javier aboard again today I think he's got a little bit of ability and may kind of be finding his groove well, you're definitely right that quite frequently the combination of Top Pleasure and his main man, Harry Castellano, isn't going to give you... I have him at 8-1 to one using John White, the Santa Anita morning light odds maker who basically put out the early odds. So I noted them down and he had Farmington Road at 8-1, to one, which is definitely a very good price for that combination indeed. You mentioned Wells Bayou. He's a horse that I find particularly interesting. Uh, spoke to Brad who mentioned that He's not afraid to let the horse sort of sit behind the speed. He doesn't need him to get into a speed duel, which I think will suit him very well. How do you rate him? Well, that'll be interesting because he's never really done that before. So I do think, um, given the fact that he's parked so far outside. Now, he has Florent Giroux aboard. If you go back and watch a Tay Indians win in the Tampa Bay Derby, Flo can clear them from the outside post going two turns. And at Oakland, it's not nearly as short into the first turn as it is at a place like Gulfstream for this kind of distance race. Still, though, it's really important to get position early on. So if they do end up sending, I, I think he's got the perfect rider aboard to be able to do that. Now, um, the fact that Brad says that I think is really interesting because, like I said, I think that there should be a hot pace. Nadal, Storm the Court has some speed as well. Um, even King Guillermo, whose hand was forced being in the outside post last time as well. So there, there should be some other speed. However, if everybody kind of takes the same tactic, then Nadal will end up just alone on the front end as well. So uh, I think it's really going to come down to being a, a rider's race in that respect. I did rate Nadal very highly here because of his last race in the Rebel where he did have a pace duel on his hands and he kept battling back and did it so impressively. How strong do you think he is? I think he's very, very good. Um, I, I agree. I think that that's where he really showed a lot of tenacity. I think he's actually 
Well, Charlatan has the impressive double-digit lengths win. I think that Nadal has had to show a little bit more grit of the two of them, which is something that I really like seeing coming into a grade one race. So um, for that, I, I really... If the two were running against each other, I'd say I'd have to give Nadal a little bit of the edge. Um, another thing, and we didn't talk about this in the first division, but that's kind of going back to it, is that Charlatan was was kind of all over the track drifting in the stretch last time, and that is something that can often happen when horses are alone without any company on the front end. Um, it can also happen when horses are kind of dueling down the wire, and I thought that last race, Nadal and a, a, a strong rider like Joel Rosario, he was so game to hold, and, and I thought that that really kind of elevated him to the next level. I thought he was very strong indeed. And now let's talk Storm the Court, the number three defend, defending juvenile champion who's going to make his third start as a three-year-old. Looked at the San Vincente, the great two, wasn't as impressed with him there. Of course, Nadal, so impressive winning there and fast enough. He's actually a late, uh, early scratch in here as well. How do you think he's going to set up? He has some natural speed. Um, he was a forwardly placed in his last couple. I think the fact that he showed speed, given how deep the track was, at Santa Anita during the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, that was tactically a really big advantage for him. Nobody was making up any significant ground on that track. Um, to be honest, like I said, if there was anybody out of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile that I would kind of want moving forward, it would have been a new door. I think that Storm the Court is a very useful, talented horse. He's running some good races. I just don't really think at this stage as a three-year-old, and, and I'm I'm a fan certainly of the connections, he, he's not the one that I'm going to want in this race. Uh, if he beats me in here, so be it. But just looking at his last couple and even out of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, moving forward as a three-year-old, he wasn't going to be one that, that I would have um, kind of highly rated as far as, especially given some of the horses that he was going to be running again today. Okay, that seems very clear. <laughs> <laughs> Let's. Uh, I haven't discussed this horse with many people yet. The number nine, Tyson, if I say that correctly. Richard Bolt is his horse. Uh, what do you think of him? He's an interesting one because I think two starts back, he was able to kind of show that speed, and that was just kind of a, a, a simple simple fix for him, if you will. Um, when he's been running against tougher competition, when he's been running against those graded stakes, he's getting out of the gate is, has been a little bit of trouble for him. So I think that when he breaks sharply, he's very, very good. Obviously, Joel Rosario sticking with Nadal in here, but you've got David Cohen who's been riding well uh, at Oak Lawn uh, and in good form. Um, he's He's intriguing. If, if he's going to be any sort of big, big price, I feel like he could potentially be one that could maybe grab a share. I don't love, to be honest with you, that he took the lead last time out and got run down by the likes of Farmington Road and, and the winner, Mr. Big News. So off of that, he kind of went down a few knocks for me. Um, like I said, he's interesting. I just don't like horses that take the lead and end up getting run down. Uh, I would would have liked to see a little bit more punch instead of just kind of besting the rest last time. The last sort of two horses that I'd love to quickly get your opinion on before I let you go. Don't want to keep you too long on this morning. The number four, King Guillermo. Um, God, my standard question to everyone is, is he going to bounce? 
No, I don't think so. Um, I have the clocker report at Gulfstream Park, and and I um, I've been able to kind of see him just out in the mornings a little bit, and he's been training really, really well. Uh, he's he's been a, obviously an interesting horse as he debuted on the dirt, broke his maiden on the turf at Gulfstream Park West, and then a third in the pulpit behind Solvalante, who also ended up successfully making the switch from turf to dirt. So it's just really interesting like that. Now, they had originally said that he was going to train from the Tampa Bay Derby to the Kentucky Derby. So the fact that he's running now on May 2nd, it's the same date they were already planning for. So timing-wise, it's the same as his plan has been all along, which maybe some others have had to change around a bit, as this would have been the weekend of the Kentucky Derby. So this had been the plan um, which a lot of people have kind of raised their eyebrows at a bit, but this is a horse that really runs well fresh. And like I said, he's been training really, really well. I did think that last time Sammy Camacho made uh, the really smart move and Sammy, a lot of people won't know uh, coming to Oakland park he's based at Tampa, sometimes rides at Gulfstream throughout the fall or the summer. He's a really strong rider and he handles this horse really, really well. So I, I like that Sammy's coming to ride him as well uh, at Oaklawn because yes he was forwardly placed last time I think he can successfully rate he's going to be forward I don't think he's a need the lead type he had the outside post last time but not only did he win he pulled away from the rest of the field and what was thought to be a very deep and contentious field at the time and he just has a cool story as well owner Victor Martinez five-time major league all-star and the emotion from him after the Tampa Bay Derby winner uh, Tampa Bay Derby win was pretty special so I feel like this is a horse who's actually really moving in the right direction. I remember watching that race and indeed in the winner's enclosure, it was quite the celebration, a lot of emotions, and that did make it incredibly special. So I was thinking to myself, wow, if these guys move on to go to the Kentucky Derby and win, we'll have, a, <laughs> we'll have quite the story on our hands indeed. It'd be fun rooting for these connections. I mean, this is a guy who's a five-time all-star and uh and he's really feeling a lot of emotion over a horse race and you know maybe we don't all get the chance to win a race like the tampa bay derby or, or run in the arkansas derby but i feel like everyday racing is a special one for those of us who've really dedicated our lives to it so it, it is pretty cool and it's a great story and i feel like along this kentucky derby trail there's obviously a lot of ups and downs and that's kind of a I guess a, an example of what life is like, but it really kind of brings out the best of our sport and pretty glad to see a great two fields, in fact, for the Arkansas Derby. Also, during these challenging times, it's great to be following sort of a positive story and to get our minds on something else to keep us occupied. <laughs> uh, the number seven silver prospect, uh, Steve Asmussen, Ricardo Santana Jr. on board. I think he's a very interesting horse that if he gets the right trip and if it does set up well for him in terms of an honest and strong pace up front, he might just be that horse that will have us all gasping for air in the, in the last strides. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. He's the more you look at it, and I was going to say I really thought in the Southwest he got the perfect setup and the perfect trip. But honestly, a lot of times in these types of races, getting the trip just so so often is the biggest challenge. And so the fact that he got a nice trip, I'm not gonna take that away from him. 
I agree with you. And oftentimes when horses just have their momentum blocked, like he did in the Rebel last time out, they just don't re-rally from that. Some of them do. And those are the really, really impressive ones. So when he had his momentum just completely shut off, that was kind of it. But I also also agree in the fact that I think it was an educational race from him. Not that he had had everything easy. And he's actually one of the more tested horses in this field with nine starts already. But he did have a race that would kind of, I, I think, teach him in a manner of speaking. So he could be a very intriguing one in this field. And I think he's better when he's coming from off the pace versus how he tried showing speed when they switched him from turf to dirt. I think you're very right here. I think, like you mentioned, getting the ideal trip works really well and he will definitely be one coming with a closing run Acacia I'm gonna let you get on with it because I know that you have plenty of handicapping to do for Gulfstream Park as they're still running which I'm very jealous about (laughs) so I will let you go there but thank you so much for your contribution it was very insightful and I always enjoy talking with you of course same here Naomi and great work I'm very excited to uh, to continue listening to your podcast so Acacia's going to listen, you just tune in. Let's make sure none of you are going to miss any of the upcoming episode of Talk Racing to Me with Naomi. So to do that, make sure to subscribe to the In The Money Players podcast. So much great content on there. Literally so much that I can't even keep up. I probably have to go on more walks or something because that's what I do when I listen to podcasts or maybe go on a few more drives and put them on because I'm still trying to finish the latest Matt Bernier show. JK Plus One's got a new episode with Duke Matisse. We've got our main flagship show that's just been published. I mean, wow. There is just something for everyone. I'm really proud to be a part of this team and learning every day. Now, I'm going to scoot along and... We'll be trying to make the famous Keenan bread pudding this Saturday. I'm not sure how that's going to go, but um, we'll also be tasting that Maker's Mark bourbon, which I do believe is for the sauce. But, you know, I'm going to have a tad of a sip of that as well. Whilst I'm watching that virtual Kentucky Derby uh, go secretariat, I'm not sure how anyone could beat the record holder in all three Triple Crown races. But there we are. I'm very intrigued to see what the computers have produced for that one. And of course, tune in to the Fox Sports Show because they will be showing all the action from Oakland and Goldstream Park. I've got a couple of nice stakes races on as well. So... I really can't wait for this weekend. I'm going to be set. Are you too? Make sure to subscribe, leave a review, especially if you found this insightful and engaging. Now, stay safe, everyone. <laughs>